Our text for today, which will also be a part of the sermon, um, is Ecclesiastes, a very well-known text uh, to many. Ecclesiastes 3.11, speaking of God, of course, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity in their hearts. What a beautiful promise uh, that God has given us um, in the Holy Scriptures. I want to study, a little study today in the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, so if you'd like to keep that open. Um, very interesting book, very relatively short. Um, and at times the book seems um, a bit negative, but in the end, um, Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, finally comes to understand that, um, as he says at the very end, hear the whole conclusion of the matter, the fear of God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And but before I begin, in, in memory of a, or thinking about a text it's actually found in Psalms 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And that's true in anything we do. We can accomplish nothing worthwhile or permanent apart from God, apart from his blessing. So I want to pray again. Heavenly Father, please bless and guide and direct as we study your sacred and holy word. We praise you and thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. As we uh, look at the beginning through verses of Ecclesiastes, um, they do seem rather negative. Um, says the words of the preacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities. Says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit is a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes. The earth abides forever. The sun all rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. And the wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continuously and comes again on its circuit. The rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, to the place from which the rivers come, and there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. And um, we find that a little later in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, I hated all the labor which I had told unto the sun. You think, well, what happened? Solomon, who started out so blessed by God, became the wisest man in the world, probably one of the wealthiest persons in the world. Uh, his fame spread abroad through all the world, at least the Middle East. Uh, kings and queens came from other countries to hear his wisdom. And after a while, things changed. In First uh, Kings chapter 11, it tells us what happened. And then it helps to explain why he becomes so despondent and depressed about life. Uh, in First Kings 11, it says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, um, 
even from the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your hearts away after their gods. But Solomon clung to those in love, these in love. And, of course, it goes on to describe that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And in the end, this one who had started out so well, praying to God for wisdom, ends up worshiping idols, foreign idols, sacrificing to idols. And even in Jerusalem, he built pagan temples. Well, God was was noticing what was happening. And so he came again in a dream to uh, Solomon and said to him that he would tear away the kingdom. The kingdom was going to fall apart. He said one tribe primarily would be retained because of the memory of his father David, would be Judah. Of course, it was actually Judah and Benjamin, but primarily Judah. The other ten tribes would split away and over time simply disappear into history into oblivion. All of this chaos began when Solomon thought he was wiser than the Lord and decided he could do his own thing and basically disobeyed the Lord um, and somehow thought that, that everything was going to be okay. Um, but it turned out to be very, very, uh, very tragic indeed. Um, and in fact, in all nature, as he noticed, there is change, there is decay, there is restlessness, um, Nothing is ever the same. Just when we think things in our life has calmed down, we discover it has not. Um, Things happen. So basically what Solomon is asking is, what is the purpose of life? Uh, what, What is the purpose of all this? Is life, in fact, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 3 in the Amplified Version says, is life worth living? Um, And that's the great question. Or in the King James says, what profit has a man from all his labor? You know, what's the point of all this? Um, Wealth, power, pleasure, and then death. Some people think the answer is more, more, and more. Uh, as Robbie mentioned during the lesson about that sign that I've seen on an RV, that he who dies with the most toys wins. Really? (laughs) Not according to the Bible, not according to God. Um, Some continue incessantly. Even though they have enough, they want more. Interesting that... um, it does say in Ecclesiastes a little later on, uh, looking for the verse that uh, includes that. But, uh, oh yes, here we go, uh, chapter 5, verse 10. says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. Very, very true. I remember years ago hearing, hearing about uh, um, some extremely wealthy 
person in Wall Street, and uh, he was involved in illegal trading. But he said he loved the power. One phone call, and he could make a million dollars within a few minutes. So guess what? He wanted to keep on doing it. I think eventually got into trouble. But um, they want more, more, and more. Um, there have been years ago, I remember hearing about uh, a man who, um, I guess, had his own skyscraper in New York City, but he was troubled because he could look out and see somebody else's skyscraper, and he didn't want it there. Um, Millions of people have made sin of science, systematically destroying themselves and others. Um, but yet, at the same time, we see in Ecclesiastes that Solomon is saying, yet there is order, there is design, and there is meaning. In chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for everything under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Um, and so yet, in spite of the chaos in this world, yet there is a certain order. In fact, in Genesis, God promised as long as time should last, there would be seed time and harvest. Well, obviously, there's, as we know from the story of uh, in Genesis, that uh, the harvest failed in the Middle East for, for a number of years. Uh, but on a worldwide basis, Somewhere there's always been seed time and harvest. So God said that would continue. And for those who are willing to look, and finally, as Solomon, finally at the end of his life, after God said, okay, we're gonna, you're going to lose the kingdom, he realized what he had lost, what he had walked away from, and began to, I think, understand some of the things he had already studied, because he says he studied everything. Um, it wasn't anything that he didn't study and learn about. But he began to see that there's a harmony, even an apparent disharmony. Blessings even in disaster, which we certainly saw in the story of Joseph, that um, God's still in the background uh, working on behalf of anyone who will turn to him. Rise and fall of nations, change and decay, the Bible says even the wicked eventually will glorify God. Of course, for them it will be too late. So the problem is not in nature, but it's in man. That is the problem. And so in that verse uh, 11 of chapter 3, it says, made everything beautiful in its time. That was the beginning. Of course, sin entered. But he says he's put eternity in their hearts, in our hearts. The heart of everyone who comes into the world um, a divinely implanted sense of purpose in working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but only God can satisfy. Deep in the subconsciousness 
in the warp and woof and the very fibers of our being, there's a little bit of eternity, a desire for life eternal, a divine discontent. As someone has said, a God-shaped hole, which can only be filled with God through Jesus Christ. God is man's vow. He cannot erase it. Hunger, desire, ache. There's still that lack that can only be filled. And God designed it that way. Psalms 84.2 says, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of God. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Because we have been given the power of choice, we can choose, and many people do, to ignore this desire for something better, for eternal life, for God. We can ignore it. They can reject it. They can smother it up with the things of this world. They can refuse. But the good news is, if we do not resist, God will lead us through his spirit, through Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God, step by step. And so our challenge is to not resist because God's already placed the need in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, to let us know that without him, something's missing. Like the warning light on the dashboard, something is wrong. That's what the whole... Uh, purpose of guilt is to let us know something is wrong that we need to get right through God. There was a, a song some years ago, beautiful words. Every day they pass me by. I can feel it in their eye. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go in private pain, Living from fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cry. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he is the open door. When will we realize people need the Lord? And that's been true for 6,000 years. And still is true. Man and animals are different. Animals have a sense of contentment. They're not burdened with the fact that <laughs> there's this issue of life and death and you know what the future holds. Now, obviously, they try to stay alive. But um, I remember hearing the story of a, of a lady who uh, had worked for some years in a circus. And um, I guess life had been pretty difficult for her. And um, apparently... A lot of mean uh, people had been rather mean toward her, and so she really didn't trust people very much. But she worked with the elephants, and she said she was so at ease and content and felt secure with these elements, uh, elephants that she worked with. And she said her safest place that she found was standing between the front legs of this full-grown elephant that she worked with in the circus. I don't think I'd want to do that voluntarily unless I knew the elephant. Uh, but she said she felt at ease. She felt at ease. Isn't it sad that people could get to the point where they trust animals more than they trust people? Because of the world that we live in. But man has this 
divine discontent that God has placed there, which can only be satisfied with Jesus. Man was made by the eternal for the eternal world. Another song, so beautiful words. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Psalms 90 verse 1 says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. And that is true. We, if people are willing to recognize it, are like foreigners in a foreign land. We know we belong somewhere else. We're not at home. And God has given this to us to realize that we need him, and more than that, to recognize that we were not designed for the chaos that is down here. That this was not God's original plan. Indeed, the eternal law of God has been placed in the heart. Now, we can reject it, we can ignore it, we can refuse it. But Romans 2.15 says that, um, talking of, of the people, of the Gentiles, or the people of the world, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness. Um, people, unless they choose to sear the conscience, as the Bible says, will have a sense of dissatisfaction and sense of guilt when they choose to walk away from God. The Bible also says the wicked are like a troubled sea. And uh, if you've ever been on the ocean during a storm, um, it is troubled. I crossed the ocean a couple of times, but thankfully it was it was uh, smooth sailing. But I can only imagine what it would be like in a, in a terrific storm. Um, and that's what God says, that the wicked, they may think they're okay, but ultimately they're never satisfied. Never, ever satisfied with anything. They keep looking, looking, looking. In fact, um, this consciousness of guilt and something gone wrong shows up uh, in the book of Genesis, Genesis, um, the third chapter. You remember when God said to Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? Right away when they sinned, they knew something was wrong. They didn't know what for sure, but they knew something was wrong. Children, I think, have a a sense of of God and law. Um, Many years ago, there was a... uh, a pastor, and he was apparently telling the story of when he was a little kid, and somehow he and some other children and their their dogs got into a fight, and uh, I guess he was very frightened, and he was trying to pull the dogs apart and push the other dog away, and he ended up swearing, I guess for the first time in his life. And uh, one of the other kids said, ooh, what you said. And suddenly he was guilty. Oh my, what to do? And he, and he, he didn't know what to do. And um, so he went and hid in a haystack 
He thought maybe he could get rid of this bad feeling hiding in a haystack. It didn't work, of course. Uh, So finally he came to his father and confessed what he said, and then he had peace. Most of these people in the world today are hiding in haystacks. If everything is going on in the world, they're hiding in a haystack because they haven't come to Jesus. Psalms 139, verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? But Job twenty two twenty one says, Acquaint now thyself and be at peace. Jesus is the answer. A wounded soldier many years ago wrote these words, poem, Where the sun shines in the street, there are many feet, seeking God all unaware that their hastening is a prayer. Perhaps those feet would deem it odd if someone went and told them, you are seeking God. And that's the challenge as was discussed during the Sabbath school lesson today, to be able to reach people, to share, and to offer them something better. So many people today and around the world, and this has been true for 6,000 years, delight in breaking God's commandments. I read recently of someone who boasted of breaking all 20 of God's commandments. They didn't know the Bible very well. But they discovered too late that life in the fast lane is a dead-end street. You hear these stories of suicides and people dying young and overdose drugs and you know, they think it's fun. They think it's happiness. But it's not joy. It's not the joy that comes from following and knowing the Lord. We People often speak about or we think about, you know, uh, the term breaking God's commandments. But technically that's not true. The commandments are eternal. It is people who get broken by not following God's commandments. And yet, those who follow and believe God's Ten Commandments are often ridiculed as being old-fashioned and narrow-minded. In 1970, the General Conference World Session uh, was was held in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And uh, I got to go there because my parents were there. And um, apparently the business and casino owners of Atlantic City were looking forward to almost 2,000 people coming from all over the world. Apparently the um, business and casino owners, particularly the casino owners, were quite disappointed for it was later reported in their newspaper that the Adventists came to town with the Ten Commandments in one hand a $10 bill in the other hand, and at the end of the week, they had broken neither one of them. <laughs> I took that as a compliment. But um, it's true that people find it very, very difficult. In fact, most people say commandments. What commandments? Some people think they're the ten suggestions. Um, but the only answer is in Jesus John 5, verse 6 says, Wilt thou be made whole? That's the question. Do we want to be made whole? Each person is a bundle of needs, a bundle of 
complications, we could say. Different wrapping, but the same package. We all have needs. And really, the basic same needs is the whole history of our world. There is a longing for something better, even if it's not recognized. When I was in college one summer, trying to earn money, stay in college, and um, so I was working, uh, working night shift in a plastic factory, making ice cream containers and rubber ducks, which I found enormously boring. I was also working part-time in a health food store during the day and, and doing correspondence. And I would sleep a little bit in between those events. But I in particular remember longing for the morning as it was all, you know, night long and you're clanking these machines and all of this stuff. Oh, how I longed for the morning to come, for daylight. I happen to be a morning person, so that's part of it. But how I long. But yet, that's an illustration of the longing that God has put in our hearts for something better, for the, for the great getting up morning, for the glorious coming of Jesus. I know as children, you probably, all of us at one time or another, if you live near the seacoast, take a seashell and put it up to your ear. And you hear this, this little roar, the little noise. Uh, it almost sounds like the waves of the ocean. We have the privilege of hearing God call and of us, by faith, hearing the call of eternity through Jesus. The question is, are we answering the call? Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where Solomon finally comes to the conclusion of recognizing what's missing. All the way through, all his vanity, it's worthless. Well, that's because he blasted his life. He'd go walking away from God. He'd done everything possible to ruin what God had given him. And, of course, life at that point was worthless until he came back to God. He did come back at the very end. Unfortunately, it was too late to save the kingdom. But nevertheless, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring into every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. With the things that are happening in this world, anyone who's wide awake and not asleep realizes something is really wrong with this planet. And we've been given the privilege of pointing people toward Jesus, toward his word, that there's hope, because many people don't think there's any hope. And so depression is up, suicides are up. But we have the privilege of coming, following, and listening, and then sharing the call. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, Come, come, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Um, has Jesus been speaking to your heart, to my heart? Is there anything getting in the way of the peace of Jesus? The Spirit has been speaking, then 
confession, surrender, lordship, pray, pray, pray. And if the Spirit has been speaking, then our response is to obey, obey, obey. But it's only in his strength we can do nothing of ourselves. Um, we understand that the uh, the way the uh, parent eagles prepare the eaglets to learn to fly is they start taking the feathers out of the nest. Of course, the fest, uh, nests are made out of very rough, rugged, and sometimes even thorns. Um, and so when it's time for them to get ready to leave the nest, they start taking the feathers out. I believe the Lord is taking the feathers out of our nests in this world um, as we see more and more trouble around us. In the world of Islam, thousands are answering the call. I read recently of, of a young man who has uh, had some relatives somewhere in the Middle East, and they became Christians. And um, he was very angry. So he rounded up a group of other relatives, and they felt it was their duty to go and kill them. And then they, they would be assured of heaven. They could go straight to heaven if, if they killed these infidels. And um, But when he was in the little mob he'd organized, you know, calling people to come out so they could kill him, um, he suddenly felt, hmm, something isn't right here. This, this just didn't feel good. You know, it didn't feel right. And so I guess after the mob left, he went and contacted his relatives and said, please tell me about Christianity. Please tell me what you have learned. And so they, interestingly enough, started studying the Koran with him first and said, look, Jesus, the prophet, is in the Koran." And then, of course, they, they led him to the Bible. And, of course, when he accepted Jesus and, and, um, and then the other part of the family wanted to kill him, um, and as he tried to share, in fact, he was, you know, was, in his, was a teenager at the time, and so his mother stopped feeding him, tried to starve him. There were, you know, all kinds of abuse. And finally, he, he left and um, gave his heart, you know, completely to the Lord as actually serving our church and in an undisclosed location, as you can imagine. Um, and he's actually a gospel outreach worker, reaching other people in Islam that he uh, wants to reach because he had answered the call and knows that there were others who are looking. Back in um, about 1931, there was a young man who was baptized and um, with his mother and uh, the preacher at that time down in Virginia said that uh, he predicted that this young man someday would be a preacher. Well, the young man drifted out of the church. His older brothers and sisters really never came in. So he kind of drifted out of the church during his teenage years and got into smoking. And But when he was about 21 or so, uh, would have been 1941, he realized that he was missing something. 
He had a knowledge of God. He had a respect for God, but wasn't experiencing the joy of, of, of following him and fellowshipping with him. And so he decided, he said, well, I think I probably should go to college and maybe just take some Bible classes. So he made his way up to Washington Missionary College, which is right adjacent to Washington, D.C., and um, went into a register, and he, he told uh, the young lady in the office there, one of the students that was working, that he just wanted to um, take some Bible classes. And he said, Cause I want to I know the Lord better. I want to get to know the Lord. I don't want to wander away with Again, I don't want to lose my way. I, I want to really be grounded in the scriptures. So I just need some Bible classes. Well, the young lady, um, turned out she liked him. I guess it was like at first sight. And uh, she knew that unless he was enrolled full-time in theology courses, he was going to get drafted. This was during World War II. And so without asking... She enrolled him full-time in theology and suddenly discovered that he was full-time theology student. And um, he, he finished. And by the way, the young lady in the registrar's office became my mother. And uh, she, um, she got acquainted. She was a very quiet person, but she had ways. And... Uh, she was in charge of the bulletin board in the hallway where all the classes were coming and going, students coming and going in the administration building. So she was in charge of the bulletin board. And since she knew my dad's schedule, because she had created it, she just happened to be out there working on the bulletin board each time she knew he'd be passing in between classes. It worked beautifully. Um, but my dad answered the call, and so he spent 50 years in the ministry. Uh, serving others. But God is working in a thousand different ways, calling and seeking and asking us and inviting us to answer his call, to follow him with all their heart, and to become literally friends with Jesus. And that's really the key. Uh, if we If we don't know Jesus... We really don't know him. It's the story of Nicodemus. He knew all about the law and knew about the Sabbath and knew everything. But he needed to be born again. He needed Jesus. And of course, he did become an ardent follower of Jesus and um, was very instrumental uh, in the work of the early church. But what he needed was Jesus. There's a beautiful song which I heard recently. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without him, I would be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be worthless. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh, Jesus, my Jesus, without him, 
how lost I would be. Without him, how lost I would be. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your spirit still, moment by moment and day by day, is calling each one of us. We pray that we may choose to hear your call, to listen to your call, to follow your call, and to share that good news with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.